chapter 9, verse 11 and verse 12. This is week 35 in the book of Hebrews, and here is what the author of Hebrews uh, told us here in these two verses. But when Christ appeared as high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands that is not of this creation, not by means of uh, blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, he entered once and for all into the holy places, having obtained eternal redemption. Amen? Amen. Can we read verse 12 together? It's very important. This is what we're going to be talking about today. Verse 12. Not by means of blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, he entered once for all into the holy places, having obtained eternal redemption. This is week 35. And we have said before that the purpose of the book of Hebrews is it is written for People who were Jewish at some point became Christian, and now they want to go back to Judaism. So the author of Hebrews wrote that book to tell them not to do it. And the first, pretty much the first 10 chapters, uh, he's trying to argue the supremacy of Christ over the Old Testament and all the elements of the Old Testament. And by saying that Christ and Christianity is superior, by default he's saying don't go back to what is inferior. Amen? We have seen that the author of Hebrews uh, started by arguing that Jesus is superior to the prophets, then superior to the angels, superior to Moses, and then starting chapter 5, verse 1, up till now, chapter 9, actually all the way to chapter 10, verse uh, 18, he's arguing that Jesus is superior than Aaron, the high priest of the Old Testament. Amen? Amen. Chapter 5, 6, and 7, he's arguing that the person of Jesus is superior than the person of Aaron, or Levi as the high priest of the Old Testament. And then chapter 8, 9, and 10, which we're a part of that today, he's arguing that Jesus has a superior priesthood. Amen? That the ministry of Christ is better than the ministry of Aaron and Levi in the Old Testament. We started in chapter 8, the first six verses, by he's arguing that Jesus has a better sanctuary. Then in chapter 8, verse 7 to 11, Jesus established a better covenant. And then we arrive to chapter 9 last week, right? Where the author of Hebrews is arguing that Jesus has a better ministry than that of Aaron or Levi of the Old Testament. And he spent the whole chapter pretty much talking about that. Amen? In this two verses that we're reading today, he's making a quick comparison between the ministry of Aaron or Levi in the Old Testament and the ministry of Christ. Amen? Verse 12 Let's read it together, and I want you to help me highlight the differences between the ministry of Christ as our high priest and the ministry of Aaron or Levi as the high priest of the Old Testament. Let's try to point out the differences in verse 12. Let's help me out here. Number one, not by means of blood, and, blood of goats and cows, by means of his own Blood. So that's the first difference, right? Uh, Levi or Aaron used blood of animals, but Jesus used his own blood. Number two, Jesus has entered how often? Once and for all. Unlike the high priest of the Old Testament who entered once a year into the Holy of Holies. And Jesus entered once and for all into the holy place. The actual place to where Jesus entered is different. We'll talk about that. So, so far, there are three differences, right? 
And number four, Jesus have obtained the eternal redemption. The high priest of the Old Testament was not able to obtain any sort of forgiveness. Jesus, on the other side, obtained eternal redemption. You guys are with me? So four differences here the author of Hebrews is highlighting in verse 11 and verse 12. Now, I want you to pay attention to me in the next few minutes. Because this will lay the foundation of the next few weeks. What is the thought process throughout chapter 9 here for the author of Hebrews? You guys are with me? We have seen last week that he spent the first 10 verses of chapter 9 just going back and reviewing the Old Testament and its ministry, right? And we have seen that verse 1 was an introduction. You guys remember that? Where he said that the Old Testament has two things associated with it. Has a sanctuary, earthly sanctuary, and ordinance of divine services, right? That's why he said in verse 1, that was his introduction. And then the rest of these 10 verses, he elaborated on that introduction. You guys remember that part? So verse 2 to 5, he starts talking more in details about that earthly sanctuary and how it looked like. And then verse 6 to 10, he talked more about the ministry, the ordinance of the Old Testament and how it looked like, right? Now, it's the exact same thought process that he applied from verse 1 to 10. The author of Hebrews applied here from verse 11 to verse 28. You guys are with me? All right, verse 11 and 12 serves as an introduction. He's introducing why the ministry of Christ is better than that of Aaron or in comparison of that, to that of Aaron. You guys are with me? Yeah. And then he spent the rest of the chapter pretty much from verse 13 to verse 28 elaborating on these four differences that he highlighted here in verse 11 to verse 12. You guys are with me? Mm-hmm. All right, so he started... Again, verse 11 and 12, we're just drawing a quick comparison. Then from verse 13 to verse 22, he's talking more about the power of the blood of Jesus, right? In verse 12, he said that Jesus entered by his own blood into the Holy of Holies or the Holy Places. So he spent about 10 verses elaborating on the power of the blood of Christ, which he hinted at or pointed at in verse 12. He took that this blood did two things. Number one, it actually can obtain cleansing of the conscience of the one who's approaching God. Amen? That's verse 13 and 22, uh, verse 13 and 14. And then number two, the blood of Jesus is powerful in that through it, the new covenant has been inaugurated. Amen? And that's verse 15 to verse 22. Then the author of Hebrews moved to point number two, which is Jesus entered into heaven itself, which he also hinted at at verse 12. Jesus entered into, through a sanctuary not made with hand, into God's presence itself. Amen? So he talked more about that in verse 23 and verse 24. The third argument here is that Jesus has put away sin once and for all, verse 25 and 26, which he already also hinted at at verse 12, right? Once and for all. And then number four Why the ministry of Christ is superior is that because Jesus is able to save from judgment. And that's verse 27 and 28, the rest of the chapter, which he also pointed at in verse 12 when he said that Jesus has obtained eternal redemption through his blood. You guys are following me? So you follow the footprint of what the author of Hebrews is doing. The author of Hebrews is not just throwing some random ideas here and there. He has a thought process, and we're trying to follow that thought process to see why he's putting these verses together. You guys are with me? Mm -hmm. So again, today we're going to serve as an introduction, and in these four areas where Jesus supersedes 
the high priest of the Old Testament, the author of Hebrews, spoke about in details from verse 13 to verse 28. With me? All right, verse 11. It starts by saying this, but when Jesus appeared as a high priest of the things that have come. You guys remember how verse 11 ended that we stopped last week. It says this, that the old covenant has a lot of laws concerning only, concerned only with foods and drinks, various washing and fleshly ordinance imposed until the time of reformation. The time when everything will be made right, right? That's how he ended in verse 11. In verse 10. Now in verse 11, he's picking up where he left before. So he's saying that time of reformation has now actually arrived when Jesus, our high priest, has arrived. Amen? It says this, when Jesus, our high priest, has appeared as a high, as, as a high priest of the good things that have come when Jesus come, which is the time of, of reformation that all the old covenant was just waiting for that time to arrive. Amen? Later on in chapter 9, the author of Hebrews tells us that Jesus appeared at the climax of the ages, at the end of time, to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself once and for all. In the author of Hebrews' mindset, that end of ages, that climax of ages is the exact same time, the time of reformation that has started by the appearance of Christ as our high priest. Amen? And Jesus has appeared as a high priest for the good things that has come or which have come. What are these good things that the author of Hebrews is talking about? It is actually that sinners like you and me can obtain forgiveness before a holy and a righteous God. That we can actually be able to approach a holy and a righteous God. Throughout the Old Covenant, the author of Hebrews showed us over and over again that it failed to bring sinners close to God, right? But these are the good things that Jesus was able to accomplish through his sacrifice on the cross that he brought sinners like you and me into the very presence of God. Amen? Now, let's highlight these four differences, four superiorities of the ministry of Christ over that of Aaron. Number one, Jesus entered with his own blood. The author of Hebrews tells us that unlike the, the priest of the Old Testament, the high priest of the Old Testament, who used to enter by means of blood of goats and cows, right? Actually, the combination of goats and calves happened only one time throughout the year or throughout the ministry of the Old Testament high priest. It's only on the Day of Atonement that both goats, goats and calves are slaughtered. You guys remember that? We talked about that. Where the high priest on the Day of Atonement once a year will slaughter a bull for his own sins and use the blood of that bull to enter into the Holy of Holies and also will slaughter a goat for the sins of two goats. Remember, two goats, the scapegoat and then the other one by which he entered into the Holy of Holies. So he will slaughter a goat as well and use the blood of the goat to enter into the Holy of Holies, sprinkling out the Ark of the Covenant to atone for the sins of the people, right? So the combination of goats and calves is very distinct to the Day of Atonement. There are goats and calves being slaughtered throughout, but together that brings to us the Day of Atonement, right? 
which makes perfect sense. Remember in, in verse 1 to 10, he already talked about how priests can enter into the holy place, but the high, the high priests enter on, only into the holy places once a year, which he's elaborating on right now. Amen? Now, throughout the book of Hebrews, we see that the blood of goats and cows, the blood of animals, is always inefficient that it can obtain forgiveness to those who are trying to approach God, right? He already told us in chapter 7, verse 11, if perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, including its sacrificial system, right? Because that's what the whole Levitical priesthood was based on, the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. Why there will be an, a need for another priest to come on the order of Melchizedek and not on the order of Aaron, right? So he already told us that the blood of goats and calves cannot make people perfect before God. Last week, we just read this, what he just said, that the gifts and the sacrifices being offered under the old covenant were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. So these blood of goats and calves, of animals, cannot bring us close to God. That's in chapter 7. Cannot clear our conscience. We see that in chapter 9, verse 9. And not only that, in chapter 10, he gonna tells us very clearly, he says this. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. That's chapter 10, verse 4. So throughout the book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews keep reminding us that the blood was shed under the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, is inefficient to make a sinful man and a holy God reconcile together. Amen? Amen. But Jesus is different. His blood is different. Amen? Amen? Jesus entered into the holy places with his own blood. And again, when he says that he entered with his own blood, the author of Hebrews is telling us that Jesus is both the high priest and the sacrifice, right? Yes. The high priest of the Old Testament will have blood in his hand from a different sacrifice, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus is not like that. Jesus was the high priest who entered into the Holy of Holies, and he has his own blood. He was both the high priest and the, the sacrifice of atonement. Unlike Unlike the blood of goats and calves and all the animals that were shed in the Old Testament that failed to bring atonement, forgiveness, redemption to sinners like you and me, the blood of Jesus is different, the author of Hebrews said. When he entered into the holy place once and for all with his own blood, what did Jesus provide for us? Eternal. Temporary redemption, the Bible say, right? Eternal. It wasn't just for a couple of months or for another year like the Old Testament. It was eternal. It's forever and forevermore. And then we're going to see it next week that the author of Hebrews elaborated more on the power of the blood of Jesus. That it actually was able to clear the conscience of you and me who are trying to serve God. And not only that, but through that blood, that perfect, wonderful new covenant that we already discussed was inaugurated through the blood of Christ. Amen? We spent 26 weeks talking about the blood of Jesus. Remember that? Yeah. Next week should be a walk in the park for you guys. Yeah. All right. So number one, Jesus entered with his own blood. But number two, Jesus entered once and for all. The reason the high priest in the Old Testament needed to enter once a year into the Holy of Holies is because the blood with which he enters is insufficient. You guys are with me? Every time he offered a sacrifice, that sacrifice was not able to remove sin. That's why there must be repetition of that sacrifice once a year because the blood is insufficient. Amen? 
Jesus doesn't need to enter every year like the Old Testament high priest because the blood he entered with is all sufficient to obtain eternal redemption. Amen? He needed to do it once, not every time, just one time. And because of the power of his blood, he doesn't need to do it anymore. I like how William Lane described that phrase once and for all. He said this, it's a term that excludes both the necessity and the possibility of repetition. That's just awesome, right? When, when Jesus sacrificed himself, his blood, once and for all, it's a term that excludes both the necessity and the possibility of repetition. He doesn't need to do it anymore. Amen? And throughout the book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews highlights how Jesus entered into the holy places once and for all to highlight to us the power of his redemption and the efficacy of his blood. Amen? Amen. Chapter 7, verse 27. We already have seen that. He said, unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifice day after day, first for his own sin and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins. How often? Once for all. How? When he offered himself. Hebrews 9, 25 to 26. We'll see this in the next couple of weeks. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again. The way the high priest entered the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ, um, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. Amen? Ready for some good news? Ready? But he has, not, he has appeared once for all at the accumulation, the climax of ages, to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself once and for all. Amen? Amen. Hebrews 10.10 10. And by that will, the sacrifice of the body of Christ on the cross, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. How frequent? Once, once and for all. Amen? This is a testimony to the power of the blood of Jesus and the efficacy of his sacrifice. He doesn't need to do it often. He did it once, and that was all sufficient to a holy and a righteous God to give forgiveness of sin for you and me who had no other way to obtain forgiveness of sin. Amen? Amen. So Jesus is superior in his ministry in that, number one, he entered with his own blood. Number two, he entered once and for all. And number three, Jesus is superior in his ministry in that he entered a greater sanctuary, a far much superior sanctuary than the Old Testament high priest. Amen? Now, these two verses are a bit tricky. We need to understand what he's talking about here. It says this in verse 11. Then uh, through... Through, think about this, through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hand, that is not of this creation, he entered the holy place. That's what the author of Hebrews is saying, right? So how many places the author of Hebrews is talking about here? He's talking about two places, right? One place that Jesus entered through, and one place Jesus entered into, Right? Through the greater and more perfect tent, he entered into the Holy of Holies or the Holy Place, right? Now, remember this. Last week, the author of Hebrews told us how the tent, the tabernacle of the Old Testament, has how many rooms in it? Two tabernacles, the first and the second, the front and the back, right? The first one called the 
holy place. And the second one called the? Most holy. Most holy or the holy of holies. Now, once a year in the day of atonement, in order for the high priest to enter into the holy of holies, the high priest has to pass through the holy place. You guys are with me? So the, whole, the high priest of the Old Testament passes through the holy place to enter into the holy of holies. Correct. He takes the incense from the holy place and enter into the holy of holies. Now, the author of Hebrews is drawing the exact same comparison of how Jesus entered into heaven. He said that Jesus entered through a far more perfect, a far greater tent compared to the first tabernacle, the first room. You guys are with me? And he entered into a far much greater sanctuary compared to the second room where the high priest would enter into the Old Testament. You guys are with me? So what is that first place that Jesus has entered through? It is heaven itself. Jesus passed through heaven to enter into the presence of God for our salvation. You guys are with me? In the mind of the author of Hebrews, heavens through which Jesus passed represent the first room, the holy place where the high priest of the Old Testament will pass through. And the presence of God in the mindset of the author of Hebrews represent the holy of holies where the high priest would enter once a year. You guys are with me? Mm -hmm. That's why he told us point blank that in Hebrews 4.14. Seeing then we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us get hold or hold fast of our confession. So the parallel is like this in the mind of the author of Hebrews. Just like the Old Testament high priest will pass through the holy place to enter into the holy of holies. Jesus passed through also a holy place called heaven to enter into a holy of holies, which is the very presence of God. Unlike the high priest of the Old Testament, both the holy place and the holy of holies were places that was made by man, pretty much tents and pillars and wood and some material, earthly material. Jesus is different. Amen? The first room that Jesus has passed through is a far much greater room than that of the Old Testament because Jesus passed through heaven, the greater and more perfect tent, which is not made with hands that is not of this creation. Amen? The high priest entered into a room that also made with tents and pillars and wood called the Holy of Holies. Jesus, on the other hand, entered the very presence of God, the actual, literal presence of God to atone for our sins. Amen? He already told us that in chapter 6, verse 19 to 20. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary, the Holy of Holies, behind the veil, the curtain, where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. Jesus entered behind the veil into the very presence of God. He's going to tell us also that point blank very clearly later on in chapter 9, verse 24. He said this, For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with hands that is, was only a copy of the true one, but he entered the heaven itself now to appear where? In, in the presence of God, in God's presence for us. Amen? Amen? That's why Jesus' ministry is better. He didn't enter through a handmade sanctuary to a handmade sanctuary, he entered through heaven, which is not handmade, into the very presence of God, which is also not handmade. Amen? Amen. But number four, Jesus has obtained what kind of redemption? Eternal. 
eternal redemption. Unlike the sacrifices of the Old Testament that failed to obtain even a temporary cleansing of the conscience to those who are trying to approach God. Amen? Jesus, on the flip side, has obtained the eternal redemption for the whole fallen human race. We talked about this before also when we said how we have redemption in the blood of Jesus. Redemption is the idea of this, like somebody owns a slave and then let's say it's, uh, it's me, I own a slave, then Brother Emmanuel will come and he pays the price of my slave to transfer the ownership of that slave from my ownership to his ownership. And then because Brother Emmanuel paid the price, he's free to do whatever he wants with that slave. He can set him free or he can become your own slave, right? This is the precise idea of redemption. We were slaves to Satan, to sin, and to this world. But Jesus came and he paid the price through his own blood. And now he transferred the ownership, our ownership, from being owned by Satan, sin, and this world to be owned by him, which is a true liberty. Amen? That is what Jesus has accomplished through his blood. He paid his blood to be the ransom to set us free from the captivity of sin, Satan, and this world. That's what the author of Hebrews is telling us. And isn't that exactly what Peter already told us in 1 Peter 1, 18-19? Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from the endless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the... What? The precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. We have been redeemed eternally once and for all by the blood of Jesus. Amen? And in the book of Hebrews, we read here about eternal redemption. But elsewhere, we read about a couple of other things that is eternal that Jesus has purchased for us. Amen? In Hebrews 5, 9, we already have seen this. Jesus has gotten for us eternal salvation. Hebrews 5, 9, and having been perfected, he became the author of what kind of salvation? Eternal, Eternal salvation. To how many? All. To all those who obey him. It's conditional to obey, obeying him. Hebrews 9, 15, we're going to see that next week. For this reason, Christ is a mediator of a new covenant that, it, uh, that those who are called may receive the promise of what kind of inheritance? Eternal inheritance. Verse, and finally, chapter 13, verse 20. That the God of peace, who through the blood of what kind of covenant? Eternal. Eternal covenant. Remember last week, we said that the old covenant was temporary till the revelation of the time of reformation, right? The new covenant is different than the old covenant. Amen? It's not temporary anymore. It is a eternal. Amen? It is through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from death our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of that sheep. Amen? Amen. Let me just close with that thought and then we're done. The, the word eternal is essential in the theology of the author of Hebrews. Here is why. Many people who believe that a Christian, a genuine born-again Christian can lose their salvation and end up in hell use the the, the text in the book of Hebrews, many of them actually, to prove the fact that you can use your salvation. And we have seen that the wording of the author of Hebrews can be pretty tough sometimes. It's borderline confusing. It kind of implies that you can really lose your salvation to the point of no return. But the fact that he used the word eternal many times to describe what Jesus has done for us, that is an assurity. You guys are with me? That if you once and for all know Jesus, there is nothing going to change that. Amen? Amen? 
if you're born again, truly, genuinely experience the transforming power of Christ, you can rest that what he has done for you is eternal, unconditional with how you behave in the future. Amen? Obviously, he'll punish you as, his, as your father if you misbehave and endorse sin. But the fact of the matter is that covenant that he has established with you because of Jesus, nothing can break that. Amen? Amen. I don't know about you. I am very grateful to this this morning. Amen? I can mess a lot of good things up. Amen? And I'm so glad that there is nothing I can do in terms of my relationship with God. Because if, if I can put in 1% in my relationship with God, then guess what? I'm going to mess it all up. Amen? But thank goodness that the blood of Jesus is sufficient and there is absolutely, in spite of our weakness, our stupidity, our evilness, our um, dumbness and all the bad things we do, the blood of Jesus is always sufficient and what he has accomplished is eternal. Amen? Let's close our eyes and pray.